Uh, we have our church picnic today. Tim will be telling you more about the details of that at the close of our service. Hope, but I want to just extend our invitation to you if you're a guest with us. Join us at the park this afternoon for our picnic and fellowship. And uh, we look forward to that time together. And then I want to look ahead to Wednesday night. Uh, Wednesday is September 11th. In our prayer meeting at 6 o'clock, we'll be praying for our nation, be praying for first responders. If you're a first responder, police, fire, EMT, other first responders, we'd love for you to come. We'd love to surround you with prayer and pray for you uh, and pray for our nation this Wednesday night. Well, do you have any stress in your life? Look at that guy right there. He looks stressed, doesn't he? Doesn't he look like he has some stress? Um, most of us have stress. Uh, the, uh, consistently, Americans say that their greatest stressors in their life are their work, their family or relationships, their health, and money. Uh, most of us have stress in some areas of our life. Now, some stress is good. If you're trying to quit smoking, that's stressful, but it's good stress. If you're trying to build a house, that's probably stressful, but that's good stress. But stress that it has a negative connotation we called distress. Some of us are in distress. And uh, how do you respond to the stress, the normal stress, and the distress of your life? How do you manage that? Well, for the next four weeks throughout the remainder of September, I want to share with you a four-part sermon series about stress and distress. And we want to look at the example of King David. As I read through in a few months ago the story of David, I noticed the word distress occurring over and over. David had a lot of stress. David was in distress a lot. And I think his example really helps us to know how to respond. So if you're going through something, or if you're not, I want to lay a foundation that you'll be able to handle that. So the next four weeks, we're going to look at the example of David about how he handled the distress in his life. We begin today in 1 Samuel 30. Let me share with you a little background before we look at this passage. You need to understand the setting. Saul was king of Israel, but God had rejected Saul because he had disobeyed God. And so God had sent the prophet Samuel to anoint David to be the new king. But at this point in the story, Saul is still reigning. And he's very jealous of this young David. And he is trying to kill him and he's pursuing him. David is on the run. He's a fugitive from Saul. He has 600 men in his army that have gathered to him. And he is, his army have fled throughout Judah and there's no place left to run. And so they do the unthinkable. They go to the Philistines. Remember, Goliath was a Philistine that David had killed earlier, but there's nowhere else to go. They go to the Philistines and seek refuge there. The Philistines give them a border town called Ziklag. And David and his men have their headquarters. They live in this town of Ziklag. And from the town of Ziklag, they raid the Amalekites. So let me tell you about the Amalekites. When the Israelites were on the exodus, coming from Egypt to the promised land, coming out of slavery, the Amalekites attacked them from the rear in an unprovoked attack. And Israel had to turn and battle the Amalekites. And if you know your Old Testament stories in Exodus, this is the one where Moses took the staff that God had given him and he raised it up and the battle went their way, but his hand grew tired and the staff went down and they began to lose. So finally Aaron and, and her propped him up and held his hands up and they won the victory over the Amalekites. 
And God said that day, you can read it in the Old Testament, he said, because of what you've done to my people, the Amalekites will be erased from the earth. There will be no more Amalekites. Saul was to, King Saul was to uh, destroy them, and he did not obey. This is one of the reasons that God has taken the kingdom from him. So now David is taking up the cause, and he is raiding the Amalekites from Ziklag. Meanwhile, at the same time, there's a big battle brewing between Israel, King Saul, and the Philistines. And uh, David and his men go with the Philistines to fight. Don't know if they would have actually fought, probably not. But they go with their, their new masters to the, toward the battle, and, and the Philistines send them songs. Hey, you're not going to fight with us. You'll turn in battle. You go home to Ziklag. Okay? So they leave the site of battle. They head back home to Ziklag at 75 miles, 25 miles a day, men with full packs and armor march. And they get home to Ziklag. This is where our story picks up. Let's read it in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1. David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag, and they had attacked Ziklag and burned it and had taken captive the women and everyone else in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. Just imagine the scene. You've marched 25 miles a day for three days. Third day, you're getting close to home, and guys are starting to talk about, oh, I can't wait to sleep in my own bed. Oh, I hope my wife's got something for supper. Oh, I can't wait to hug my wife and my kids. And then they smell smoke, and they see smoke on the horizon. They begin to run, and they get to Ziglag, and it is gone. It's been raided. It's been burnt down. Their wives, their children are gone. Nothing is left. And it says in verse 4, so David and his men wept aloud with until they had no strength left to weep. Maybe you've been there in your life. Maybe there have been times in your life when you've wept aloud till you have no more strength left to weep. Verse 5 says, David's two wives had been captured, Anoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And verse 6 tells us that David was greatly distressed. There's our key word. Well, I guess so, don't you? I'd be distressed too. But on top of that, it says David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. So now they're tired, they've, they've marched, everything they have is gone. They've given their lives to this man, believing in him, believing he's God's man. And now everything is gone and, and they just want to kill him. They just, just want to stone him to death and David's all alone. What does David do? How do you respond to the distress in your life? What would you do in this situation? Let's read it in verse 6. It says, each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and his daughters, but David found strength in the Lord his God. In time of distress, how do you relate to God? It would have been easy for David to sort of be angry at God, wouldn't it? God, you anointed me king. I didn't ask for this. I was trying to serve you. And now my wife's gone. My, everything I have is gone. And my friends are talking about stoning me. But he didn't turn against God. He turned to God. Do you, when you're in times of distress, do you turn against God? Or do you turn to him? David turned to him and it says he found strength in the Lord his God. And I want to say to you today, if you need strength, if you're worried about money or about your health or about your job, or if you're anxious and stressed out about a relationship in your life, 
There's strength for you, strength for living, and it's found in the Lord. Would you turn to Him? Would you find strength in Him? Notice it says He found strength in the Lord, His God. He already had a relationship with God, and that's why He could turn to Him and find strength. If you don't know God, you can know Him today through Jesus, His Son. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you can have a personal relationship with God the Father. It's okay to turn to God in times of distress. And so today, if you're in distress, why don't you turn to God? Maybe your distress is a way that a loving God is bringing you to himself. But if you're not in distress, why don't you, like David, form a relationship with God now so that when you get in distress, you'll have one who is the Lord your God. You'll have a relationship with the Lord your God, and you'll be better equipped to handle distress. David found strength. What does that mean? How did he do that? Uh, NIV is a little different from most translations. It's a reflexive uh, verb in Hebrew, and most translate it, he strengthened himself in the Lord. So there's something you have to do. Strength is in the Lord, but David strengthened himself in the Lord or found strength in the Lord. It doesn't tell us what he did. I, I think probably David got alone by himself. I think David... This means that David probably got away from these men who were wanting to stone him, away from the smoke coming up from his town, and he, and he got by himself, and he, and he talked to God. And I want to encourage you today, if you're going through a time of stress, when's the last time you just got by yourself and talked to God? You could find strength in the Lord. So, uh, you know, it's easy for us just to live a veneer of religion and, and come to church and never really meet the living, true God Maybe today you just need to get by yourself and say, God, I, I'm sort of in a mess. I'm, I'm, I'm stressed out here today, and I, I just need to talk to you. And I, I need strength, and you've got strength, and I want to find strength in you. I want to strengthen myself in the Lord, my God. And after David found strength in the Lord, he became decisive in, in his actions. You see, distress paralyzes you. If you're going through a time of distress, you may just, you're sort of paralyzed. You don't know what to do. But faith in the Lord activates you and gives you direction. And so David becomes this decisive leader once again. It says, verse 7, Then David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, Bring me the ephod. And Abiathar brought it to him. And David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? So let me tell you what's going on here. David uh, asked for the priest and You can read in the Old Testament where God instructed what the priest was to wear. And in the pocket of his breastplate, there was a pocket sewn on the front. And in that pocket were what were called the Urim and the Thummim. We don't know a lot of what these were. It doesn't tell us in the Bible. They were some way of determining direction from God. Our best uh, surmising from what we read in the text is that they were two stones, one called the Urim and one called the Thummim. And that perhaps, we're not sure, they were cast like lots, like you would cast dice, roll dice or something. And maybe they're a different color on one side. You get the, the white up, it's yes, and black up, it's no. I'm just surmising here. Some, we don't know. But some way, God had ordained that when you wanted advice from him, the, the leader, the king, could go to the priest and use the Urim and Thummim to get a yes or no kind of response. And we see that repeatedly in Scripture. They give this yes or no kind of response. So David asked of of God, after he's found strength in the Lord, he inquires of the Lord. What do you want me to do? I want direction from you. I'm looking to you. You see, 
the writer of Samuel is making a contrast between Samuel, uh, between Saul and David because just two chapters before, I told you this big battle was brewing between the Philistines and the Israelites. And Saul also wants to know, will we win the battle? Should we press the battle? But you know what he does where he seeks advice? Where does Saul seek advice? He goes to the witch of Endor. He goes to a medium, to a spiritist. He has no relationship with the living God. And so he turns to the occult. He turns to, to false religion. And he seeks help there. And the lives of these two men are on vastly different trajectories. They're both in distress. One's distress is perhaps not greater than the other. But how they respond to it is very different. And Saul seeks false Guidance and David goes to the priest of the living God and says, bring the ephod. Where are you turning? After he found strength, he inquires of God. If you're in a time of distress, would you say, God, what do you, what do you want me to do? I, I want to follow you. I want your will. I want a word from you. God, would you guide me? So if you're in a time of distress, why don't you find strength from the Lord? And why don't you inquire of the Lord as David did, and asked for guidance. And so they brought the ephod that contained the Urim and Thummim, and David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Remember, it's late in the day. This is the third day they've been marching 25 miles. Do I, do I try to gather these men who want to stone me and get them back on a march again in full armor? Or, or do I wait till tomorrow? What do I do? Will I overtake them? Pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. And so David and the 600 men went out. Let me tell you the rest of the story. You can follow in your Bible. You can just listen. I'm going to summarize the rest of the story. So David and these 600 men, they set out late in the day, pursuing the Amalekites who have raided Ziklag. And they come to the Wadi of Bezor, a steep ravine that they're going to have to cross. And 200 of them are too tired to go any farther. And so David leaves 200 of his men there on the edge of that wadi and leaves all the supplies. They strip down to just their, their weapons and their armor and they leave their packs and their food there with these 200. Now he's down to 400 men. And they cross this ravine and they continue to pursue the Amalekites and they find an Egyptian lying in the desert unconscious. And they give him water and food and revive him and they find out that he is a slave of the Amalekites. And they had left him because of his weakened condition to die there. And David says, can you show me where they were going? Can you take me? And he said, if you won't kill me, I'll take you. And he said, I give a promise, I won't kill you. And this Egyptian guide said, now I want you to see here, that seemed like a coincidence, right? You're in the middle of the desert, you're searching for these people, and here's a guy lying here, and you revive him, and he was a slave of them. But you see, he had inquired of God, and God can work through the circumstances of your life to give you direction when you find strength in him and when you inquire of him. These things are not chance encounters. It's the work of a living God to guide them. And so the, the Amalekites, the Egyptian, shows them where they've gone. And David and his men creep up over the rim of a canyon or a ravine, and they look down and there they are, spread out before them, the Amalekites. They're eating and drinking and partying. And they can see their wives and their children held there. And it's dusk now. It's twilight. But David, after all of this 25 miles plus 12 more miles to the Wadi Bezor that they have marched, they descend upon them in battle. They fight them from that evening all through the night and all through the next day. 400 men against hundreds or even thousands because it says that all were taken except 400 Amalekites who fled on camels and got away. 
and they recovered their wives and their children and everything that had been taken from their homes plus all the plunder that the Amalekites had taken from others. And so they had herds and flocks and cattle that they drove before them with their families back to Ziklag. And God had reversed the fortunes of their distress. David was a writer. David journaled his spiritual experiences. And so in the book of Psalms, we have a record of David's thoughts in such times of distress. I want to point you each week to one of those that mentions David's distress. And this today I want to share with you Psalm 31. It says that David wrote this song, psalm. It doesn't say when. It could have been this very time. Or it could have been another time like this. But it certainly was a time of distress. David writes in verse 9 of Psalm 31. Be merciful to me, Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow and my soul and my body with grief. And I'll just pick out some verses. You can read the whole thing later. But verse 11 says, Because of all my enemies, I'm in the utter contempt of my neighbors and object of dread to my closest friends. It sounds a lot like this time. Verse 13, for I hear many whispering terror on every side. They conspire against me and plot to take my life. But, verse 14 says, but I trust in you, Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from the hands of my enemies, from those who pursue me. Let your face shine on your servant. Save me in your unfailing love. How do you respond to stress and distress in your life? Would you respond like David did? Would would you just make these words in verses 14 through 16 yours today? Would you make them your, your prayer, your song today? Would you say, but I trust in you, Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. Maybe some of you just need to say that. Well, I don't know the timing, but my times are in your hands, Lord. And I ask you to deliver me from the hands of my enemies, from those who pursue me. And I ask you to let your face shine on your servant and save me in your unfailing love. One more thing I share with you. There was another person who was in distress later on. And he quoted from this psalm that David wrote in his distress. Psalm 31.5 says, Into your hands. I commit my spirit. Jesus was on the cross. He was dying for our sins. Great distress. And in that time of his great distress, he knew the the word. He knew the Old Testament. He knew this psalm that spoke of distress, that spoke of saying, my time's in your hands, but you're the Lord my God. And he quoted this verse out loud on the cross. Lord, into your hands I commit my spirit. Would you commit your way? Would you roll yourself over onto the Lord today in your time of distress? Or would you prepare for the inevitable times of distress in your life by saying, I'll find strength in the Lord, my God. I'll have a relationship with him. Let's pray together. Oh God, I pray for people who are in distress today from health, from money, from some kind of relationship, family problem, their work, or anything else. Lord, I pray that this distress will not be wasted in their life, 
but it will be a time when they find strength in you and inquire of you. I pray for those of us who are not right now in a time of distress. We know that's coming in our lives. Oh, Lord, we want a foundation to be able to deal with that as David did. We want that kind of solid rock in our lives. And so, Lord, we want you to be our God. And today we say, Lord, I claim you as my God. I'll be your servant. I'll be your slave. I'll follow you. I'll be a Christ follower. I worship the one who said when he died for my sins into your hands, I commit my spirit. Oh, Jesus, be Lord and Savior of my life and give me the strength I need. I pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.